Well, good morning. And if you're listening to us online, we are glad to have you here. And if you're in F3, uh, welcome and good morning to you as well. A number of years ago, I was going to an outreach conference in Dallas, Texas. And at any outreach conference, I knew I knew I would be asked a question that just brings about unbelievable, unbearable anxiety. And that question would be, who have you led to the Lord lately? I thought, this is unreal. But here I am, I'm in the airport, and I think, I need a target. I mean, an unbeliever who I could be an ambassador of Christ to. I thought I could drop tracks around the airport, kind of like Easter eggs. You know, maybe somebody would find that and come to the Lord. And it's like, no, I, I, don't, have, I don't have tracks with me. I'm, I'm not, not even prepared for that. But then I, I could hang out at a bar. And, you know, that guy who has three or four shots of, of liquid courage before he could get on the plane, he'd be well lubricated. You know, and I could sit beside him and say, hey, buddy, it looks like you're afraid of flying. And he'd say, well, no, I'm really afraid of dying. Well, I've got a story for you. No, that, that's just, that's wrong too. And I thought, you know, God's good. He's good. And, and I know I've got a two-hour and 39-minute flight. He's going to set somebody next to me who needs to hear the gospel. I don't have to fret over this. I can calm down. I can do this. So I get to the check-in. People are queuing up. And I think, who is it? Who's going to be my person? Who is it? Well, I shuffle into the, you know, into the, the plane. I find my seat, and I sit down next to this guy who's probably 25 years old. I settle in, and I start thinking of this series of questions that would lead to an amazing conversation about the gospel. I sit down. I say, hi, my name's Scott Clark. Clark, I've been doing a little questionnaire with folks in the airport, asking them, you know, what they believe. I was wondering if you had time to answer any of those questions. <laughs> of course you do. You have a two-hour and 39-minute flight ahead of you. Aren't you lucky? So, do you have any Christmas traditions? Maybe Easter traditions? When you think of God... What do, you per what do you picture? Do you think everybody goes to heaven? How about your dog? Hey, I've been doing a study in the Gospel of John lately. Let me tell you what I'm learning. I, I think you'd find it fascinating. You know, there's a free gift I'd love to tell you about. Sounds a little bit like Amway, doesn't it? I was on my A game, but Clark was distracted. I needed to focus Clark. I needed to help him think through the questions that I had for him. Clark, if this plane took a nosedive and we hit the ground at terminal velocity, what would happen to you next? Silence. Absolute silence. And I kept telling myself, don't fear the silence. Don't fear the silence. Let the question 
sink in. Pray with me, if you will. Father, we thank you. We thank you for opportunities to be an ambassador of yours. We thank you for allowing us to partner with you in the gospel, to be about the business of reconciliation. We look forward to this time in your word, Father, and we ask your blessing in it. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we're going to be in 2 Corinthians uh, 5. And we're going to start in verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creature. The old things have passed away. Behold, the new things have come. Now all these things are from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Namely, that God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. And he has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were making an appeal through us. We beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf, so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Now, in that passage, uh, you read the word reconcile in one form or another five times. To me, that's a clue about what this passage might be about. Start there in verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old is gone, the new is here. It's okay, folks, you can all say amen. That is good news. I don't know about you, but I'm really glad that the old is gone and that the new has come. But it starts off, therefore, that's just a fancy word that says, because of everything I said before. So we're going to back up a couple of verses there to 13 to see what Paul is talking about with the Corinthians. He says, For if we are beside ourselves, it's for God. If we're of sound mind, it's for you. Verse 14, For the love of Christ controls us, having concluded this, the one died for all, therefore all died. And he died for all, so that they might live, no longer live for themselves, but for him who died and rose again on their behalf. Therefore, from now on, we recognize no one according to the flesh, even though we have known Christ according to the flesh. Yet now we know him in this way no longer. He's telling the Corinthians there, he says, if, if we're crazy, we're crazy for God. If we're of sound mind, he's allowed us to be of sound mind for you. And Christ controls us in such a way that we know that he died for us. So when he died, we died. And now we live for him because he lives. And we used to look at people just on the outside, in their fleshly world. But now we look at them on the inside in a spiritual way. Because that's the way we used to look at Jesus. But now we know him as a spiritual being. And that's the direction we're heading. And he says, therefore, if anyone's in Christ, he's a new creature. All old things have passed away. The new things have come. But do you believe it? Do you believe it's true in your life? I meet so many born-again believers who don't. They don't. You know, I'm going to use this illustration of this box. It's, it's you. 
It's okay. It's all, it's all even because I'm on the back, okay? So we're all there together. This is an illustration I saw probably 25 years ago, and I've seen a number of guys do it in different ways, but this is my version of it. When you come on the scene, you're born, you're not just all by yourself. The Word tells us that we have a sin nature, that we are sinners by nature, and that fills us up. But that's not all. Not only is there sin nature within us, we are born into sin. We are born in sin. So not only is there the ability for us to not stop sinning because sin is in us, we're also covered and born in sin. And there we are. And for years, you might add a little little scripture church in there maybe a community group or two and you might give a lot of money to some really good causes and you might serve people really really well but you know what didn't change a thing you're still in sin sin's still in you but a day comes along when you hear the gospel and it makes sense to you and you trust in christ with your eternal salvation and at that moment you're rescued. You're rescued from the darkness. In fact, Colossians 1.13 tells us that we're rescued from the darkness, the dominion of darkness, and transferred into the dominion of light. So we're removed from sin. No more sin there. Not only that, Christ takes the sin ability out of us. So we don't have to sin any longer. In fact, we're controlled by sin until then, but Christ fills us with himself. God says, to make known, and this is in Colossians 1.27, to make known all the riches of his mystery, the glory of his wondrous grace, he puts Christ in you, the hope of glory. So now, Christ is in you, but it gets better. Now you're also in Christ. First Corinthians says that, uh, that because of God's doing, you are now in Christ. It's because of His wisdom and righteousness and sanctification, redemption are possible. You are now in Christ. So Christ is in you. You are in Christ. And that's who God says you are. But do you believe it? Do you believe it? So many people say, well, I'm just a, a sinner saved by grace. Is that what the Scripture says is true about you? Or does it say that the old has gone and the new has come, and now you're a new creation? Well, I, I'm, I'm just, you know, getting by here because I'm, well, I'm a sinner, and, and I tell other people that I'm a sinner saved by grace, and and if you do that long enough, and if you tell yourself that long enough, and if you begin to just think that I'm just a sinner, what does your identity become? And then how much easier is it for you to excuse sin in your life because, oh, I'm just a sinner? But is that what the Scripture says is true of you? No. You see, Satan's lie says you're a sinner because you sometimes sin. God's truth says that you are a saint, declared righteous by God. Nothing that you have done, but you can sin. 
Satan's line says that your identity is what you have done. God's truth says you get your identity from what God has done for you. Satan's line says you get your security from what people say you are. God's truth says you get your security from what God says is true about you. The old things have passed. The new has come. You're a new creation. Christ is in you, and you are in Christ. And it only gets better because Colossians 1.3 tells us that for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. And when did that all happen? It happened the moment that you trusted Christ with your salvation. That's when it happened. And how much did we bring to the table of this? Well, if we go on to verse 17, it says, Now all these things are from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. God did it all, and now we have this ministry of reconciliation. He's given you a gift of this ministry of reconciliation. And, and we understand reconciliation today just as Paul would have then. We have seen friendships that need to be reconciled. We've seen families, businesses, countries, communities. We've seen marriages that need to be reconciled. We've seen checkbooks that need to be reconciled. We understand what it means to be alienated and torn apart in a relationship and how much effort it takes to be reconciled in that. When you think about God, though, how high and holy and other apart from us that he is, how majestic and amazing, how righteous he is, and yet he wants to be reconciled to us. All we have to bring to this relationship is guilt, fault, and responsibility. Yet God is determined to be about the business of reconciling all of humanity to himself. Verse 19 is a snapshot of that reconciliation. It says that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. And he was committed to us the word of reconciliation. The word of reconciliation. We have all we need in this word to know everything we'll ever need to live a godly life, to live lives that overflow with the love of Christ. And it's a portrait. It's a portrait of who we are. It is the story that God has given you of what you were like before Christ, how you came to know Christ and the people that surrounded you in that journey, and then your story continues, how your life has been different because of Christ. How grace has overflown from your life to those around you is a picture of that reconciliation. I don't know about you, but I love a good tool. Does anybody here just go, you know, that is the perfect tool. That's the thing that everybody's going to get for Christmas this year. It's fantastic. On your way in, uh, you receive the tool. And uh, it's this little booklet, and it says in the front, this is good news. This is good news. This is a, uh, just a snapshot. It's just a snapshot of the Bible. And 
you can go online at fbcva.org. And if you've not been to our website, that's it. That's what you're going to look at when you first click on there. Now, on that first page, I want you to click on Ministries, Local Outreach. And then the button right there says Resources. There's a handful of resources here for you. The first is the booklet, The Good News. And you can scroll through that with somebody online if you're having lunch with them. It's a, a way to do that. There's a, uh, a blog post there about telling your story, your gospel story. Uh, if you scroll down there a little bit, there's the 111 prayer challenge that, that you can print off one of those cards or create a reminder. And there's the uh, worksheet there for sharing your story of that before you were in Christ, now that you know Christ and what has happened since. So lots of opportunity there for you. Uh, inside the, uh, the Good News booklet, you can see some of those pages in there. Uh, it's, it's a simple read. Uh, you can read it in two minutes. And the pages um, just flow one to the next. It's not a hard story. It's an easy one. But when you get to the back page, I'm going to read that last, second to last paragraph. This is the part that I want you to think through. You can be a part of this amazing story by trusting in the truth that Jesus spoke when he said, The one who hears my message and believes the one who sent me has eternal life and will not be condemned, but has crossed over from death to life by simply believing that Jesus sacrificed his life to pay the penalty of your sin. You will receive the free gift of eternal life in heaven, and you can begin a new life-changing relationship with him. That's the gospel. That's reconciliation. So a couple ways you can use this little booklet. One way is just read through it a couple of times and then come up with your own words in it. If someone is to come to you and to say, you know, I've never read the Bible. I don't know anything about it. Could you summarize it for me in just a couple of minutes? How would you do that? What words would you use? What stories would you put in? Which ones would you take out? And then you could give it away. My hope is that a couple of weeks ago, you picked up a 111 card and you wrote somebody's name on there and you've been praying for that person for the last couple of weeks. And my hope and my prayer is that you get a chance in a natural way, not in a forced sort of clumsy way, but a natural way to, to go through this little gospel, this portrait of a gospel with them. So that's another way that you can use it. Great tools there. On to verse 20. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God were making an appeal through us, we beg you on behalf of Christ to be reconciled to God. Now that Christ is in you, you're in Christ in God, you're ready. You are ready for a new career. And that career is, is being an ambassador. An ambassador for Christ. Again, Paul's time to our time, the, the ambassador's job has not changed. Uh, they spoke for their king, their government. Their, they spoke as the mouthpiece of their sovereign entity. They didn't have to think about uh, the message they were bringing. Someone else gave them that message. 
they didn't create personal promises. They didn't make personal demands. They represented their sovereign nation. It's not our dignity or righteousness or abilities that lend weight to our ambassadorship. It's God's righteousness, His abilities, His dignity that we represent. So we are Christ's ambassadors. We are God's ambassador, and we have a message. The message isn't our own words. It's not our own promises. It's not our own demands. It's the message of reconciliation. God has planned for us to proclaim this message in a foreign country, in an alien nation. And it doesn't take long to look around and to go, ooh, we don't belong here. It's a culture, a culture that is not ours. But it's a culture that we're to come alongside of. It's a culture that says that we don't have to change because we only have to do one thing, and that is to be the minister of reconciliation. And that is the gospel. If your goal changes... If your goal changes to you wanting to change the culture, then you turn your mission field into your enemy. Let me say that again. If your goal changes from bringing the gospel to changing the culture, then your mission field becomes the enemy. You have been given an ambassadorship, the message of the gospel. FBC's mission statement to prepare and deploy dependent disciples that change their world for Christ as they're being changed by Him. In short, change lives, change worlds. As an individual comes to know Christ and then their family does and the people they work with have opportunity to see that and some of them become Christians and, and then their neighbors, their friends, the people that they rub shoulders with, before long the flavor of the culture they live in begins to change. But the gospel is what moved that forward. If I had a, a gallon of milk up here and I've squirted in some of the world's best Hershey's chocolate into the top of that gallon of milk and I closed the lid and I shook that thing up carefully, not letting the lid off, that milk would turn into a lovely chocolatey brown. The flavor would be enhanced and enriched, but it was still milk. It was still milk. You are the salt and the light. The love that overflows from Christ out of your life into those around you, it flavors that, that world you live in. It flavors it with the kingdom. And if you've ever had to ask yourself that question, so why are we still here on this planet anyway? It's the ministry of reconciliation. It is a broader picture, a broader understanding of the Great Commission. You know, Matthew 28, 19 through 20 says, Go therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, teaching them all to observe all the things that I've commanded you, and lo, I'll be with you always. Go therefore and be my ambassador. Or in Acts 1, 8, You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you shall be my witness, both in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and even to the remotest parts of the earth. You'll be my ambassador. Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria. Mark 16, and he said to them, Go into the world and preach the gospel to all creation. 
be my ambassador and preach to everything and everyone that you come in contact with. Really, the only reason we're left here on this planet is for the ministry of reconciliation. Trust me, it's going to be far better in heaven, right? Here, it's just a struggle. We struggle with relationships with our, our friends, our spouse, our, our kids, our co-workers with God. We struggle with insecurity and significance and communication. We struggle with what we look like and what other people look like. We struggle with money, whether we have so much or not any at all. We struggle with our emotions, and we limp through this world. And we're left here, and we say, God, why, oh, why are we still here? And he whispers to us, it's because you have a ministry of reconciliation. You are plan A, and there is no plan B. And it's one of the few things that we'll get to do here on earth that we'll never get to do in heaven. You'll never have to evangelize an unbeliever in heaven. You'll never be walking down the streets of gold and you see Jim a couple of blocks up and you run up and you catch up to him and you say, Jim, did you know that God loves you and has a plan for your... Yeah, you do, don't you? Or you see Stacy on the other side of the street and you walk over there and you go, Stacy, God loves you and I want to tell you about the eternal gift. Yeah, you already know that, don't you? The end of verse 20 says, we beg you on behalf of behalf of Christ to be reconciled to God. Seems strange, doesn't it? That you have to beg someone to accept the best gift in the world. That you'd actually have to somehow plead with them to be reconciled. All they have to do is to trust in what God has said is true. But yet it says we have to we beg you on behalf of Christ. And Jesus tells us exactly why we have to beg them. Uh, when he was talking to Nicodemus back in John, right after his famous John 3.16 of God so loves the world, a couple verses later in, in 19, he says, uh, the light has come into the world. He's speaking of himself. But men love the darkness rather than the light. For their deeds were evil, and for everyone who does evil hates the light and doesn't come to the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. People love their sin. So much so that they would rather be covered in it than to come to the light. So we beg them, beg them to be reconciled. On to verse 21. He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. That's the good news. That's the gospel. That's the message of reconciliation. That you are in, that Christ is in you and you are in Christ in God. You are prepared, fully prepared to be His ambassador. But you know, there are times in my life that I think, you know, I got this down pat. I can do this on my own. I can do this all by myself. Clark, 
If this plane were to take a nosedive and to hit the ground at terminal velocity and you and I both died, do you know what would happen next? Silence. Utter silence. And in that silence, I heard the Lord speak to me. Ask him where he's going. Clark, what takes you to Dallas? Well, my, my wife and I, well, that, that sounds funny. We, we were just married yesterday. My wife and I are on our honeymoon, and we've got a connecting flight to, in Dallas, and, but she's sitting six rows in front of us. And I knew in an instant. If I was to be the best ambassador for Christ to Clark two hours and 30 minutes ago, I would have said, Clark, I want to pray that God blesses your marriage and I want to bless you as well and I want to switch seats with your wife so that you can enjoy this journey together. That would have been the very best thing I could have done to be an ambassador of Christ. And maybe you're looking for a, a next step. A, maybe it's a small next step to be an ambassador for Christ to those that you live, work, and play around. And you're not sure what the good next step is. I'm going to give you one. This coming weekend is follow the star. People will hear, see, experience the message of Christ the gift of reconciliation, and you can invite them to it. Now, in the foyer, there are all kinds of resources, all kinds of invitations of all sizes, everything from something as small as a, a business card to the size of a poster. You can point people to the online resources as well. It's a way to invite folks uh, it's a way to invite folks to something that is a low threshold explanation of the gospel. Let me encourage you in that. And you may be wondering, why do we continually do Follow the Star? Why, why is this the 12th year of Follow the Star? Well, this, this past week, my wife Karen got this email. Let me read it to you. Earlier today, our daughter Leah was at our neighbor's house babysitting for their six-year-old daughter, Madison. While they were together, Madison excitedly said, let's play follow the star. Leah said that Madison asked her a ton of questions about the preparations, the organization of all the things of, that pertain to follow the star. She quickly went to her closet and got a blue blanket for Leah and said she was going to be married. And then she got a pair of white leggings and a white sweater for herself and declared, I'm going to try out for the angel part. She grabbed a stool, stood up on it for our audition. While they were playing, Madison's two-year-old sister woke up from her nap, and Madison cast her as the sheep. She embraced the role heartily, crawling around the room buying. Now here's the amazing part of this story. Madison has never been to church. Her family came to the Final Star drive through last year, and that's the only exposure she has ever had to the Christmas story. Leah was amazed by everything Madison remembered from her experience through the drive through last year. 
the details about the scenes, the characters, the events. Thank you all for your efforts in sharing Jesus with little Madison and so many others. You have Christ in you. You are in Christ, in God, and you are prepared, fully prepared, to be his ambassador. Pray with me. Father, we thank you for your amazing plan of grace. That you would choose us to be your ambassadors. That you would treat your son as if he were a sinner. And that because of that, you could treat us like we're righteous. And you give us this story to tell others about how you have impacted our lives in such a way that our eternal destination has been changed. We thank you for the privilege of representing you in this world that so desperately needs to hear the good news. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.